The Fake Science Behind the Booster Push Commentary Here is an astonishing story of scientific malpractice, peer review failure and journalistic bias. It's not a story without consequence, but one that affected millions of people and likely led to vast professional suffering and probable vaccine injury. Even now there is no accountability. You can still read the offending piece at the New England Journal of Medicine. Think back to the largely cancelled holiday season of 2021. Masses of people had taken two doses of the COVID vaccine either due to fear, false promises that it would protect them from sickness, or they were flat-out forced to do so under enormous government pressure. Many people assumed that would be the end of it. But then came the booster. It seemed crazy at the time and many people were reluctant to go there again. Experience with getting the same inoculation again and again has long given rise to concern about immune imprinting, the repeated training of the body to resist one pathogen while making it vulnerable to other infections. Plus, reports on injuries from the first round of shots were pouring in. But on December 23, 2021, the NEJM came out with a piece that hit the headlines all over the world. It said that tests of the booster had been a fantastic success, while those who did not get the booster were vulnerable to death. The conclusion of the study was easily digestible by any journalist, participants who received a booster at least five months after a second dose of BNT162B2 had 90% lower mortality due to COVID-19 than participants who did not receive a booster. Wow, that's huge, don't you think? The Washington Post trumpeted this study among others, claiming that this new research adds evidence that boosters are essential to controlling COVID-19. They reduce the chance of infection and therefore the likelihood of transmitting to others. Vaccinated Americans remain the greatest public health concern. It was enough to send millions of people back to the Walgreens for yet another injection. The mandates were updated throughout the country. Put aside your misgivings and just get the third shot. Universities throughout the country imposed them on students. The military had to comply and even nurses and doctors with natural immunity were frog-marched back to the shot-givers. Looking back now, there were enough clues in the study itself to suggest something odd. We obtained data for all members of Clallet Health Services who were 50 years of age or older at the start of the study and had received two doses of BNT162B2 at least five months earlier. The mortality due to COVID-19 among participants who received the booster during the study period was compared with that among participants who did not receive the booster. Wait just a minute here. Older than 50 includes a vast population with extremely low vulnerability to death from COVID and a large population, say above 75 years, and in ill health that is more vulnerable to death from anything. A study that tested a COVID booster would absolutely have to adjust for the likelihood of death from any cause. Otherwise the study would mean absolutely nothing. In other words, you cannot aggregate these whole populations and throw in some random variable and conclude it was the reason for varied outcomes. You would certainly have to adjust for the outcome even without the variable to make sure your analysis is correct. So far as I understand it, and I'm hardly an expert on how to do these studies, this is essential for a valid result. 
Some researchers suspected that something was up. They are Tracy B., Hogue, Ram Durasetti, and Vinay Prasad. They examined the underlying data very carefully and came up with a remarkable conclusion. As it turns out, the boosted population in the study had a 94.8% lower non-COVID mortality than the non-boosted. In other words, the boosted people in the study were not as likely to die in any case. Amazed at their findings, they sent in a letter to the journal, which actually ran it. They did a more careful analysis of the data and found a massive bias that any competent researcher would have and could have caught. The study's conclusions simply fail. The adjusted 90% lower mortality due to COVID-19 reported among the participants who received a booster cannot, with certainty, be attributed to boosting. The bias in the study falsifies the results. Note that this now obvious problem with the world's most important study pushing boosters has been revealed a year and a half too late. Many people trusted the science, but the science itself was not trustworthy. It is clearly the case that the study was structured to come to the conclusion it did. It was not seeking truth, but rather a predetermined result. Tracy Hogue comments in her personal X account, are people now waking up to how misleading observational vaccine data can be? Clearly the authors knew about the bias in the data at least since they wrote the response where they disclosed the non-COVID mortality numbers in March of 2022. I have trouble believing they did not know about it at the time of the initial publication in December of 2021. Further, the study published in NEJM we can now see was biased to such an extent at least I do not think it should have been published. Without a doubt, what is currently written in the article is very misleading. As that was expected given the underlying differences in health. Then she goes further to examine possible conflicts of interests. The authors of the original paper disclosed no ties to Pfizer, but its data came from Clalit Health Services, which is comprised of over half of the Israeli population, and the Israeli Ministry of Health had the following agreement about evidence collaboration with Pfizer starting January 2021 where Pfizer would be involved in preparing and publishing all results. That sounds deeply suspicious. A deeper look shows that Clalit Health Services is a branch of the Clalit Research Institute which is funded by Pfizer. In other words, the conflict is barely one step removed, just enough to allow the authors to decline to declare it. For all intents and purposes, Pfizer was the sponsor of the study that promoted its product. I followed this blizzard of fake science from the beginning of this entire disaster. I've seen thousands of cases of seeming expertise deployed in fraudulent ways to support state and industry priorities. This pertains to the original modeling exercises, the ridiculous social distancing guidelines, the preposterous claims about masks, and then to deprecation of early treatment to make room for vaccines that, despite promises, did not protect against infection or spread and had no lasting value in any case. I'm weary of ferreting out cases of fake science and become too cynical to believe any of it. I'm guessing large portions of the general public feel the same way. This is why we owe a debt of gratitude to careful researchers like those above who take the time and have the skill to look carefully under the hood. Consider too what this means for their careers. There is no money and no security associated with this sort of debunking. 
All the power, money, and fame comes from manipulating results to conform with regime priorities. Currently, the correction is the top performing article in the NEJM, so perhaps word is getting out. Still, I'm not anticipating much in the way of correction from the New York Times or anyone else. Even though it is not being widely discussed, it is nothing short of a scandal. And it raises the question how many other fake studies have disrupted our lives over three years?